So with respecting everyone's time, I think we'll go ahead and get started. I wanted to thank everyone for joining us today, all of our customers. We have a lot of Fairway employees also on the call. And as I told Dave a few minutes ago, if you logged in earlier, we're all expecting wonderful news from him because there's way too much gloom and doom out there right now anyway. But we do want to thank our customers for their loyalty to Fairway, especially this year. It has not been an easy year for any of us, um, but that's why you're here today is to hear a market forecast and outlook for the next couple of months and into 2023. And more importantly, how to equip you to sell around what's happening right now and talk some positivity with your borrowers and your real estate agents. So with us today, we have Dave Stevens, who has been a great partner and supporter, not just of the mortgage industry, but of Fairway for many years. Um, he's the former CEO of the Mortgage Bankers Association, previous federal housing commissioner. He served in several executive roles at Freddie Mac and at Wells Fargo, and he's currently a consultant to the industry. And also with us today is our CEO, uh, Steve Jacobson. Uh, Steve's been in the mortgage business, I believe you tell us, since 1984. Um, started as an originator, held many positions before starting Fairway in April of 1996. And also with us is Al Heklinski, Senior Vice President of our Wholesale Channel. And I think you've been at Fairway since April of 2014. Yeah, so about eight and a half years. And Al and I have worked together for a long time. And I was trying to think, I think it's probably been 20 years, give or take. Although Don't we're so young. <laughs> so with that, I'm going to turn it over to Al to say a few comments before we get started with Dave and Steve. Yeah, thanks, Holly. Uh, and we, as you just mentioned, we welcome all of our brokers, all of our broker partners. Uh, ex excited to spend a couple minutes with you. Um, always appreciate the partnership. Uh, I think what, what you will hear today is you know, just an outlook on the marketplace. Um, we've been inundated with a lot of change over the last three years. Uh, the last six, nine months has, has been certainly an unwelcome change by most originators, um, but there's still a lot of opportunity in the marketplace right now. You know, and I think before, I know Dave's, Dave's got a lot of exciting uh, information and data to share with us that really gives us a positive outlook on on the business. But you know, before we jump into Dave's uh, segment of this discussion, I thought we'd start with Steve. Um, and, you know, Steve, a lot of originators on this call. Um, and as Holly mentioned, you've been in, in the business since 84 as, as an originator, uh, originator at heart. I, I hear you talk as an originator often. What's the message that you give to our originators right now uh, and then originators on this phone as we see something that, you know, both Holly and I have been in it for 20 years. We haven't seen an interest rate above 7% in 20 years. So well, what's the message to the origination? Well, it's interesting because the Dave's and Steve's of the world didn't see an interest rate below 7%. The whole time we originated rates were above 10%. So the discipline is still the same. I mean, for brokers, retail doesn't matter. There's only two things we can ever do for you um, from our side is make sure if it's a good deal, you get paid, number one. Number two is make sure if, if the referral comes this way, that we make it so be make it be that your reputation stays positive because you made the referral to us. That discipline is the same discipline that it was back in the 80s that it is today. So at the end of the day, if you folks get your check and number two, people are saying great job because you use Fairway, that's the two things. And that discipline's still the same. There's always business out there as a company last year, and I only say this for scope purposes, you know, we did over 72 billion for, as a company with retail and wholesale. It was only 1.4% of all the loans done in the country. So, so much for you folks, I'm sure as you have your meetings also, it's we're all being challenged to market a little differently, go a little wider. But if we keep the proper perspective and, and kind of quiet the noise, Dave and I originated a time where there wasn't social media. We just knew rates were high, but we, and we had bosses that probably we didn't want to talk to because when rates are high, why do you want to talk to your boss for? What are they going to tell you? They're going to tell you to make sales calls. So we had to approach it like you had to make call reports, right? So the, it's just different because, right, you know, we challenge our team to quiet the noise and just go do the work. And we all know there's work to be done. There's loans to be done for the people that want to do the work. Um, Dave's background is a rich background. By the way, all of us here, Al, Dave, and myself, we've never heard Holly be that nice. So we're not sure Holly's really on this call. This is like a, a news flash. <laughs> 
this. But so, folks, that's just not the way it rolls here. It's your lucky day. <laughs> but but anyhow, I think that it's it's important to to um we're, we're fortunate today to have Dave. He wouldn't say this, but I'll say it for him. Um, I was invited, uh, fortunate enough to be invited to a meeting at the White House in 2014, and that was during the Obama years. And, and David was on was on the staff, and he had um, part of his day weekly deal was having meetings at the White House. Was at one of those meetings. There were probably 50 people there. There was probably mm, six, seven from the CFPB. There was probably four or five from Obama's administration, and then all the people that you'd expect: Bank, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Chase all the, the major mortgagees in the country. And to know that for the next X amount of minutes here, you're going to get a chance to hear from David. He owned the room. And when, when you notice somebody has that talent, you just kind of sit back and listen. And, and that's what this call is for today. Just kind of take a different perspective, sit back, uh, respecting that matter, no matter what we say, there's still loans out there for people that want to do the work. So with that being said, I'll let David take it and roll, if that's fair, because we don't want Holly to interrupt because... We said she wasn't very nice, and she isn't, so we don't want to hear any any uh, hyperbole from her. Is that fair, Al? Wait, Perfect. wait. Let's roll. <laughs> nope. No, here we go. <laughs> go ahead, David. All right. Well, good to be with you. Holly, is this being recorded? Uh, it can be. Which, yes, it is. Well, I don't know if people, sometimes they want a recording to hear how I describe the slides. We got it. Guys, it's good to be with you. As, uh, as Steve was saying, you know, I ended up in some very senior roles in Washington, D.C. I started as a loan rep back in 1983, uh, around the same time when Steve started. And to his point, you know, rates were in the double digits. There were no refis. No one was going to refi a mortgage at 16% or whatever our rates were at the time. So all you had was purchases. And there was a lot of scared loan officers who had experienced the run-up in rates under uh, Fed Chairman Volcker. And... Uh, and they just thought the industry was over. This is the end. We got to get out. And thank God many of them did. I think it was great uh, for the business that a lot of people chose to leave. The good news is um, those that, you know, decide to sharpen their acts, as it were, and, and uh, improve their skill sets are going to be the ones who survive. I'm going to share my screen um, and I'm going to walk you through a presentation. Um, and please note, you don't have to take screenshots. I'm going to send this. Uh, the Fairway team will be able to share this with you uh, after the fact. Um, and so just bear with me while I go through it. I'm going to have to move fairly fast because it's a lot of slides. Um, but I, I just want to uh, paint a picture of the marketplace. I'm going to use a lot of really fresh data. I mean, literally data that I do presentations by economists uh, just over the last few days. But what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to paint a negative picture. You got plenty of people doing that for you. That's not my job. I'm going to paint the picture that I would be using if I was out making calls on real estate agents, home builders, and other referral partners. And so what I want to make an argument is uh, for all of you today is why this is a really unique time in a good way to buy a home. Um, and I'm going to cover these bullets. I'll give you more data, but one, we have, we, we're sitting with this inverted yield curve. And all an inverted yield curve tells the market is that the bet on long rates is low as we move forward. And that's why you'll see the uh, couple of forecasts that I'm going to share with you, expecting rates to be down next year. Um, we do know that buyers are temporary sidelined. They're being scared away from buying homes. But that is a buying opportunity for those that are in the market, because I feel strongly that when rates drop down into the fives next year, which is what they're going to do, I'll show you why in a minute, um, that we're going to get to sudden, you know, little boomlet, not huge, but we'll get a lot of activity. Um, it's an opportunity now to go in, do a 2-1 buy down or, or get a 30-year at, at seven and whatever it's at today, and then just refi it when we get back down a year from now, but you get the one advantage you'll have over this winter is you'll have the ability to bargain, maybe get a seller to pay for a buy down on a mortgage rate, um, those kinds of things that, that'll be available. Third and fourth are the next two. One, I'm gonna show you why inventory is a severe long-term problem. And that combined with demographics are almost guaranteed insurance that home values are not gonna drop as some, uh, I think, are recklessly forecasting 
um, when they look at drops. Most good real estate economists are not predicting uh, drops in home prices on a national scale. There will be some regional contractions, and that's just a matter of where you work in this country. And then finally, the last two, I'm going to emphasize why the fundamentals of home ownership have not changed. Um, and again, I'm going to close with that final thing I just mentioned a moment ago, how this winter is a buying opportunity. Look, home ownership is how you build wealth in America. I just got off the phone with a reporter uh, talking about the changes that FHFA announced yesterday and explaining them to, to him. And he asked, why is home ownership important? Home ownership is important because if you compare it to rent over all time frames, I'm going to show you a longer history on this uh, in a little while from the Federal Reserve, but Wealth in America, if you look at median net worth in America, there is no net worth if you're a renter. And there's a million reasons why you need to think about being so supportive of buying a home and not trying to bet on a, on a market cycle. The problem you guys are facing right now is what we're all facing. This is a faded picture of Diana Olick in the background. Some of you may have seen this slide. I stole it from somebody else uh, on the internet, but I know Diana well, she's with CNBC. She's their housing mortgage person, but she's missed it uh, over and over again. I mean, look at her headlines back in 2015, housing today, a bubble larger than 2006. That was 2015. Home prices is appreciated for the next seven years um, uh, to where we are today. Uh, 2017, homeownership doesn't build wealth, study fines. Well, that's just flat out wrong. I'm going to show you Federal Reserve data that that is contrary to that through all market cycles. It doesn't make a bit of difference. It's better to rent than to buy in today's housing market. That's 2018. If people had listened to her in 2018, they would have missed out on roughly 34% average national home price appreciation just in the two years of 2020 and 2021. So I think, unfortunately, this is what we're up against. This is what we're seeing. But it's not, it's what we have to overcome. It's what we as leaders have to be talking about. So, you know, you've seen this picture before a million ways. This is from Fred, the Federal Reserve of St. Louis. I just pulled it yesterday, uh, showing the average 30-year fixed rate loan in America going back to the early 70s. Um, you know, as Jake said, when he started and I started, 83 and 84, um, uh, you know, rates were in the, in the teens. They were in the 13, 14-ish percent interest rate range. Um, a very different market to where we are today. But I also want to emphasize, even if rates didn't drop, if they were going to stay near seven-ish, whatever the number is right now, we would still be looking at near historical low interest rates. And when you think about when they've been lower than seven, you have to really look at the period when the Great Recession hit us, which is that shaded area just prior to 2010 on this chart, going up until this year. And that period was highlighted by the worst recession since the Great Depression in the United States, and then the COVID uh, pandemic recession. That brought four rounds collectively of quantitative easing by the Federal Reserve, which drove rates down into the twos. We're no longer in that environment. We're in a healthy economy that's continuing to grow. The Fed can't stop it, frankly. Um, and that the, the need for the Federal Reserve to dive in and drive rates that low just is not going to happen. People ask over and over again, is the Fed going to raise again in November? Yes, rates are going to keep rising uh, from the Federal Reserve, but that's short rates and may not reflect what, long rates. But the most important thing here, guys, is when if you can get a 7% mortgage today, take away the period of quantitative easing, you're at or near historic lows of measured interest rates over history. We've got to stop licking our wounds over the 3% rates that are no longer here. We've got to stop making people think 3% will come, just sit around for a while. That's just not going to happen, guys. Um, this is the reality of, of low to mid single digit interest rates, which by the way, for most of my career and, and Steve's career, we would have popped champagne bottles to have a 7% interest rate. It's just a matter of perspective that we need to grab hold of. And I think, unfortunately, the media is not going to help you here. You have to provide your own market leadership. So we're looking at the market and the market size. So this is the history of mortgage volumes going back to 2002, with a forecast going out till 2025, just released uh, by the MBA's chief economist, Mike Frattantoni, on Sunday. So it's brand new, fresh uh, view of the market. Now, there's a lot of things we could talk about, but I just want to highlight one thing. The forecasts in the headlines in National Mortgage News, 
that Brad Finkelstein wrote was MBA paints a sour picture of the marketplace uh, with home with with total mortgage volume dropping 10% next year over this year. And it's reflected in that gray line. See, 2.2 trillion expected to do this year, 2 trillion even roughly next year. That's a 10% decline. But guys, you know, look back to the left on this scale. Go back to 2009. Many of you started in the business after 2009. That's when the vast majority of our loan officers were started in the business in that period. We had really good years at 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19. And all of those mortgage volumes were somewhere around a trillion and a half to two trillion. So a $2 trillion mortgage year is a damn good year. Now, I want you to look at the outgoing forecast rising to 2.3 and 2.5. Pratt knows what we all know, which is the economy is going to be still very solid. Unemployment is going to still be very low, even though it'll rise a bit. Uh, it'll still be almost at full employment. But demographic demand is going to drive this. And I'm going to show you all this in just a moment. But the reality is $2 trillion, as, Jake, as Steve said, you know, one point whatever percent market share, we've all got opportunities to grow. And as we see these companies literally shuttering retail, selling off servicing, almost closing their doors, companies that even went public a couple of years ago, that just tells you we're in a capacity adjustment uh, scenario. These are two points from the last 48 hours. Brad Finkelstein from yesterday, the 24th, Mortgage industry should shed another 25 to 30% of their staff. That came from Marina Walsh, a really good economist uh, who spoke at the MBA conference. We're still oversized. You can see it on the left in the, in the chart here. If you look at the blue line, which is the um, uh, employment in the marketplace, non-mortgage brokers, by the way, it's really hard to track mortgage broker employment in employment data through Department of Labor. Um, but... If you, if you look at the total employment in our industry compared to the MBA market index, what's happening with volume, the drop in personnel is not matching the drop in production. And so we just need to right size. And that's why a $2 trillion year can be friggin' awesome. And actually, I think the second half of next year will look really good for all of you, a lot better than you're looking, you're looking at the winter ahead of you right now. Um, the other thing to keep in mind as people are downsizing, I hate to say it, it's operations staff that we're looking to downsize. Most companies that I speak to, uh, every company wants more salespeople. And you know, in the brokerage in industry, there's a great opportunity in mortgage brokerage uh, uh, institutions because you represent multiple lenders and with so many changes going on uh, and different people having different views around everything from buy downs to premiums to jumbos to arm availability, uh, to down payment assistance and more, the opportunity that you provide as a broker is really unique. And I just think uh, all we have to do is realize that this market is going to downsize. It's happening right in front of us as we speak, as we read, read the headlines week in and week out. We should applaud that. This is what needs to happen uh, as we see mergers and acquisitions, some big public non-bank institutions, public uh, that, that are uh, shareholder owned, uh, shrinking, merging, or getting out altogether. But I, I think it leaves the rest of us with the ability to pick up the pieces and make hay uh, next spring when the sun is shining again. So I want to transition. This is it from Market Insider this morning. Um, mortgage rates will fall to 5.4% as recession is likely to hit the U.S. economy in 2023, Mortgage Bankers Association says. Now, a lot of people say, oh, come on, rates are going to drop. I heard Chris Whalen. I couldn't believe he wrote a piece. I don't know if you know Chris, but Chris is a good friend. He wrote a piece expecting rates to go to double digits. He's dead wrong. I actually emailed Paul Molo at Inside Mortgage Finance. I said, dude, Whalen's wrong. I'll talk you through why. He doesn't see what the market's seeing. The market knows what's happening here. In fact, when you look at the history of Fed funds rates going back to the 50s, all these gray bars here are recessions. And they all essentially occurred at or in the midst of Fed fund tightening. And so we don't show the recession that's going to be here coming at us right now. It will be one. It'll be mild, but it's going to hit us. Um, and it's because of the Fed fund tightening that's occurring right now. The tightening's not as severe as we've experienced in our history. We've had a lot worse in previous recessions. 
the Great Recession of 08, Fed funds just before that Great Recession was significantly higher than it is today. Many of you don't remember that. You may not have been originators in 08, but those of us in the business remember it. Or in that shaded bar uh, in 2002, the dot-com boom, a dot-com recession, excuse me. Um, but it had a Fed tightening experience just before that. And so you see this all the way through. That Fed tightening is going to slow the economy. As the economy slows, we're going to see an entirely different shift in the yield curve as we move forward. You already see it right now. Look to the left. This is the spread of 30-year mortgages over treasuries. You can go online and pull up your uh, yields right now on whatever website you use. I use MarketWatch a lot for an easy look. More, uh, mortgages are almost 300 basis points over 10-year treasuries. That's what that chart on the left is showing you. That's totally out of sync. If you look at the historical pattern, mortgages are typically between 150 and 200 basis points over the 10-year. Um, I don't have time to explain all of why this is, but let me just say it this way. I sit on a public board, and what I'm sharing right now, um, some of it I, I can't share all of the information I have, but I will tell you that I'm on a public real estate investment trust board, Dynex, uh, uh, list on the New York Stock Exchange. And what we all know, we talk about this stuff every day, is that not only is the Fed not buying mortgages, a lot of traditional investors aren't buying mortgages. Why? Because mortgages are fully prepayable instruments where I cannot guarantee the duration. And because I know rates are coming down, I'm an investor. I may be in China. Uh, I may be in, in Ireland. Uh, I may be in Japan. But because I usually buy mortgage-backed securities, I'm right now sitting on the sidelines because, frankly, I can get a more predictable yield with more predictable duration in the treasury markets. And I'll, tell, I'll explain that in a moment. And so we're lacking about a billion dollars of buying um, capacity in the United States uh, right now every day. And the remaining buyers in the market are basically telling the market that I'll buy mortgages, but they got to be a lot cheaper in price, meaning higher in yield, because I think they're going to pay off in the next 12 months. And so, yeah, I'll take a seven bond or whatever you know current coupon is for Fannie today, which I think is a seven. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll take a current coupon bond from the GSEs as an alternative investment, but it's a short-term bet because I know that it's going to pay off. And because it's fully prepayable, it's what we call hot money in the investment community. I hope that makes sense to you. So look on the right, another way of looking at it. This is the two-year, it's, it's current yield, it's current treasury yields. But all I want you to look at is the top blue line, that's October of this year. The previous lines are September and August. Just look at the two-year and the 10-year. It's inverted, right? So the reality is I could bet on mortgages but I can get, if I, have, I want to get a good duration match, I'm a life insurance company, I have long money, I don't need, I, I'll, I play with hot money a little bit, but I need long duration match to the, um, to the assets that I have to pay yield returns on, then I'm going to go for the 10-year because the 10-year is hot right now and that's not fully prepayable. I guess the government could pay them off, but they never do. So I know I've got a 10-year match uh, to my borrowings. And that's a really healthy investment. Even though it's at a lower yield, it's a lot less risky as an investment when I need to have a long match. And that's going to be sovereigns. It's going to be the big global insurance companies and more. And so the demand now is for 10 years. The global demand is on 10-year. And that's why 10-year prices are rising and yields are dropping. And they're dropping even lower than short-term yields. All of this says this is out of sync and it tells you that the long bet is for rates to come down. That's why people are saying, I'm going to lock in my 10-year now because I think they're going to be lower next year. Rates are going down. And that's why the forecast is there. You see it with jumbo to conforming spreads. This is just another indicator. As you guys all know, the traditional spread, uh, and this is a bad market period to look at because 2013 to 2020 was not a traditional market. But the traditional spread of jumbos over agency conventional is about 25 basis points. Jumbos are typically a quarter higher. But now they're negative. And so that just tells you that even bank investment dollars, which is just whole loans being held on bank balance sheets, is much more willing to buy whole loans at a cheaper price. But the MBS market is tougher because you got to get MBS investors, and I just explained why they're not coming. 
Hopefully that makes sense to you, but it's a, it's a little complicated, but it's why anybody in the, in the mortgage sector who's looking at this from a finance side knows rates are going to go down, shift the market. So rates are going to come down. Do I care if I lock someone at seven today? No. Why? Because they're getting close to near historical lows anyway. And when rates drop next year, I'll refine. So it's a win-win scenario and I can bargain on my home because I promise you, if rates go to five and a half uh, come late spring next year, there's gonna be a pop. The demand curt cycle is gonna come at us again. And all that buying opportunity, which is now in the buyer's market is gonna, it gonna evaporate. So I'd be telling people to work with your buyers. I'd be working with my realtors to tell this story uh, if I could put a story together that worked. So let's, let's keep moving. The structural undersupply of housing. Um, this is using Census Bureau data, uh, HUD data, um, um, and uh, it's, it's just a great focus on supply. And the reason why this is important is we have a massive shortage in available housing units on the market today. If you look at the structural undersupply of housing, this looks at one unit detached, two to fours, five to 20s, 20 plus mobile homes, everything. The, obviously the big, the blue section of the bars is, is one single family detached, but it's the whole market. We just have a shortage of units. Even looking at this historically, going all the way back to the 1950s. You see the scale, the time scale here? This goes back to 1940, right? So if you look back to all your lifetime, we have a su supply that's so short, we haven't seen anything like it. This was in Builder Online. I just pulled it yesterday, but it's a September 16 article. Um, new research reveals America's short more than 5 million homes. Gang, that's not new research. Everybody's talking about this in the marketplace. It even quotes Diana Olick in the story. Um, but it's, it's, it's data that everybody's talking about. This is a slide. Some of you will see it fairway because it's Barry's uh, Habib slide, but um, I'm stealing it from him. But this is the current inventory in the marketplace in the United States going back to the early 80s. We have like near historic lows of inventory. It's a little higher than it was uh, last year, but it's still horrible at one and a quarter million homes. Um, I'm not going to go through all the math, but that doesn't even cover demand. It doesn't even cover core demand that's coming at us for rental and owned homes. Um, when you look back at the 08, the housing crisis, uh, the Great Recession of 08, we had an entirely different scenario. We had over four, uh, we had over four trillion homes on the market. Or, excuse me, 4.8 million homes on the marketplace uh, for sale. We had extraordinarily weak credit, and we had terrible demographics. In the environment we're in today, we have no inventory, zilch, zero, and nothing's going to solve that over the winter because, as you guys know. People aren't just flooding the market with homes for sale. They're pulling them off the market and waiting it out. So we have no inventory solution here, and builders have literally stopped building. So where's the demand going to come from? For fairway people, you've seen this before, but I want to just emphasize these are two different economists. And I'm going to start with the one on the right. They both say the same thing. This is a slide from Moody's Analytics. Who's Moody's? Biggest ratings agency in the world, in the globe. Um, Moody's rates, you know, all bonds, munis, sovereign debt. Their chief economist is Mark Zandi. You should Google Mark. He's probably the most renowned economist uh, in the United States, um, especially in this sphere. But this is a slide he gave on a presentation in, in September. Um, and he looked at the distribution of the U.S. population by age from zero to 100. Uh, you see him color-coded and the call-out tells you what generation that is. The green um, on the right side, the green, is the baby boom generation, what was once the biggest generation uh, in America's history. The red is the millennial generation, the biggest generation in the history of this country. But what's unique about where we sit right now, this is using 2022 population estimates. So it's fresh data looking at it right now. If you look at age 34, it's the bar circled on the right side of that circle, um, age 34 cohort, um, that's the peak year. That's the median age for first-time home buyers in America. That's not disputable, guys. That's published by the Federal Reserve. The realtors use that age. 
the, the mortgage bankers use that age, and Mark Zandy from Moody's uses that age. Age 34 is the peak year for first-time homebuyers in America. If you look at age 34-year-olds in every age younger, 33, 32, 31, 30, going back to the 20s, 28, 27, 26, even outside the circle, 25, 24, every one of those cohorts, every one of those ages is equal or bigger than the current year of, of 34-year-olds, and they're all rolling our way into home ownership. And I'll show you another slide that highlights this even better. But guys, you're sitting, demographically speaking, on the front doorstep of the biggest buying boom that this nation will ever see. And all we've got to do is help the nation get its proverbial head out of its behind as it's freaking out about 7% interest rates. This is the same slide done by the Public Policy Institute. It's data from 2020, but they presented it last year. Same stuff, though. The distribution of America from zero to 100, and they highlighted it with a headline saying millions of potential home buyers will age into their prime home buying age in coming years. And if you look at the orange bars, look at the first call out on the right side, median age for first time home buyers is 34. Everybody knows this. I don't care what economists you talk to. I got a million slides showing the same thing from different economists. What is what is what is, what do the economic leaders of America know that all of us paranoid um you know, people in the business are freaked out about just because we don't understand all the data or that terrible news writers are talking about on TV. These guys know the data. They know the demographic demand is going to be massive and we have an outrageous shortage of units. Now, I want to shift a little bit because if you're talking to realtors, um, and this is what I talked to this reporter about today, bear with me, guys, I'm just a few more slides, but I just want to paint the full picture. I had realtors ask me, I did a a thing for a compass office um, uh, last week. And someone, one of the realtors, I can't believe a realtor is asking this, you know, how do you convince someone that owning a home is a good idea? That's just absolutely freaking crazy. So I'm going to go through this whole discussion just for a second. First of all, we all know that the investment return on home ownership is incredible because it's the use of other people's money, OPM. Example, you, get, you buy a $400,000 home, you get a 90 LTV loan, you're only putting down 40K. If the home only appreciates 2% a year, that's half of what the MBA expects next year. If it only appreciates 2% a year, that's an $8,000 uh, return on investment on that home in one year. That's a 20% return, however, on your 40,000 bucks. Now you do that year in and year out um, and look at the average appreciation rate in America over the last 40 years, which is 3.4%. Um, it's, it's an incredible investment opportunity. It's what, it's what corporations know that they can do with leveraged capital investing. Um, and this leveraged investing, in this case, is open only to uh, homeowners. But forget appreciation. Just look at MID. Remember, MID is the last sacred cow of shelter uh, in America for owning a home. That same deal, uh, 360 loan on the $400,000 purchase price. I use a 7% interest rate. That's $2,400 a month. In year one, you spend $25,000 in interest on that loan. If you're in a 30% tax bracket, that's $7,500 uh, directly deductible back to you. Um, that reduces your P&I, your effective P&I by you know, $627 a month. I ran it back in to come up with a net P&I of $1,768, and I ran it back through my HP12C and came up with an equivalent rate. Now, some of you may be nodding, shaking your heads and going, that's just salesmanship. It's not. Um, I think equivalent rate is what you have to do because what other investment are you going to make where you get mortgage interest deduction? In fact, if you say, I'm going to put it in the stock market, which is volatile on its own, but if I put it in the stock market, you're actually going to pay capital gains at that 30% tax bracket that you're in, not get an MID um, adjustment that, that's protected in home ownership. You have to offset that and show some sort of form of equivalency in terms of how this makes it such a great investment. Forget uh, appreciation, forget interest deduction, just take amortization. In five years, that loan has gone down $21,000. That's real equity, as opposed to renting, which has only had rent inflation where your payment's gone up every year. You know, and forget the fact that you get you know, stability of schools, you're making the same payment every year, your wages are going to rise every year by a couple percentage points, and that fixed payment, therefore, is going to become a lower debt-to-income ratio 
um, for your first ratio over time because your wages are rising and the payment is fixed um, compared to renting, which works just the opposite. But these arguments are things that I think people need to think about. So people say, well, like, what, what about now? I mean, I'm worried about home prices declining. Well, I've, I've told you about inventory. I've shown you demand. This is from the Federal Reserve. It's from Fred. I hope you guys use this website. It's the St. Louis Federal Reserve. This is just the value, the medium sales price of houses sold going back to 1960. It takes into account the Great Recession of 08, which was the worst time for housing in this country since the Great Depression. But even beyond that, it doesn't matter. Homes have been the single appreciating asset that anybody can own going back to you know about when I was born. Um, this is an incredible picture because it shows even with recessions along the way, home prices always recover out of it. And the worst thing I think somebody can do is try to bet on this, like betting that, oh, I think I'm, I'm going to wait till this recession is over. Well, if you do, you're going to be in a, buyer, a seller's market again. Um, it, it's just a foolish concept, right? The only reason to worry about short-term cycles um, is, uh, is if you're going to flip the house or you're going to you're only going to be in it a year. Well, if you're, only, if you're going to do that and someone came to me and told me that's what they're going to do, I would say don't buy a home. But if you're a long-term homeowner, the value of home ownership doesn't go away. Okay, so why is this important? This is the survey of consumer finances. This is from the Federal Reserve. That's the source of the survey. This just takes us back to 1989. It looks at median net worth of Americans in the United States. I queried this on the Federal Reserve website. I put in net worth by housing status. And I displayed owners versus renters. That's all I wanted to look at. Owners of the blue line, renters of the green line. If you look at median net worth of all Americans in this country, going back to 1989, um, even with all the Great Recession included, it doesn't matter. Renters are that little flat line along the bottom. You will never build inheritable long-term wealth if you don't own a home in this country. And this is it, it, many people use this data. This is from the Public Policy Institute. You see the source at the bottom, First American Calculation Survey of Consumer Finances. This looks at housing component of net worth at all income brackets. The orange portion, by the way, is home ownership. Uh, the green portion on the right of these tall bars is rental wealth. And obviously, if you're making over $200,000 a year, 192, that goes up to people making a billions, billions of dollars a year, everybody. You're likely to be in the stock market. You've likely made money through other sources who have assets. But take anybody below that level, below 192, your wealth is in your home. The 127 to 192 category, the median net worth by that income bracket is 433 for owners, 116 for renters. Why? Because the only way that renter is going to make money in that income bracket is they're probably in a 401k and they might have some investments in the stock market. As it goes down the curve into first-time home buyers who make less incomes, they're not going to be in the market. They might do some in a 401k, but everything's in their house. And so that, that separation of wealth only gets more pronounced. Or another way of looking at it, one last one. This is from Harvard University. This is from the Joint Center uh, for Housing Studies, the JCHS and the Kennedy School at Harvard. Um, look at the bottom, it's sourced. This is the state of the nation's housing report that they released in June of this year. This takes the same data, if you see the source, JCHS, that's the Joint Center for Housing Studies tabulations of the Federal Reserve Survey of Consumer Finances, okay? So everybody's saying the same Federal Reserve data, but this time they looked at it by ethnicity. Uh, the headline says, even if they own homes, Black and Hispanic households have significantly less wealth than white households. We know that. Blacks have less wealth than white non-Hispanics because there's a lot of issues in this nation's history. They didn't even pass the Civil Rights Act till I was seven. So we have a lot of wealth creation that we still have the opportunity to create, uh, particularly with minority homebuyers. But it doesn't change the fact that whether you're white, Asian, Latino, or African-American, owning a home, which is the orange bar, creates far greater wealth than renting. And renting is not the blue bars, guys. Renting is the little red bar sitting almost at the bottom of that chart. The blue bar is the combined 
overall wealth of all households, black households, Hispanic, Asian, white, and all races. So again, it shows us. Now, why am I showing you this, all the sales pitch on why to own a home? For God's sake, why do you think Freddie just eliminated add-on fees for people at 100% of AMI or below? That was announced yesterday at the NBA. Sandra Thompson, the director, announced it. Um, why do you think that the Fudge administration has been working on trying to create a first-time homebuyer tax credit with the House Financial Services Committee that would be targeted towards those that are first in a generation to own a home? Why did Bank of America come out with a new census tract program that targets literally census tracts that are heavily minority populated? Because the administration, policymakers know, if I can get people into housing, they will build wealth and we will transition this country over time. That, if, it, if that argument stands for helping minorities, why the hell doesn't it stand for everybody? Because it does. And the only thing we're, we have, I think foolishly, we are foolishly allowing people to do right now is they think they're gonna be smart and time the market. That's a loser's bet, guys. That's just a loser's bet. People who thought they were gonna wait missed 2020 and they missed 2021. Um, that's not what you do. This, this slide alone will say, you don't risk it, you just get in the market and you look at it over the long term. Okay, I wanna close out with a couple of thoughts. Uh, first, these are two forecasts, right? The one on the right is CoreLogic's just released. It's the most recent forecast. Um, uh, it's October a data um, that they just released, but it shows that we had 16%, we were still 16% home price appreciation October of this year, 2022 over October, 2021. I mean, it's still crazy, right? But the forecast is for year over year, about 4% home price appreciation. The one on the left is brand new from the NBA. It's sourced from the Federal, Federal Housing Finance Agency, the FHFA uh, Housing Index. Um, and it's the NBA forecast of seeing low to mid single digits, maybe leveling out near zero at the end of uh, in next year but then rise, beginning to rise again. The point being is don't bet on the market. What makes this market different is, um, is, de is demographic demand, which is once in the history of this country, which we're sitting on the front doorsteps of, and historic lack of inventory. So this is the most recent forecast from the NBA. I'll tell you what these lines say. Um, the top is um, single family housing starts, and if you look at 23, we're at a, uh, about a million. Next year, predicted to be 1.1. Next, the following year, uh, 1.2. So expected to have continued growth. Down below, the next line underline is 30-year fixed rate mortgages. Expected to this year average, as of Q4, 6.7. But I just want you to look at 2023, 2024, 2025. Five and a half and four and a half over the out years. Now, it's really impossible to predict 24 and 25, but what the chief economist at the Mortgage Bankers Association, Mike Fratt and Tony, got his PhD at Johns Hopkins, by the way, um, uh, brilliant economist. What he knows is everything I showed you. The whole, the entire financial market is betting on a downward decline in long rates. Um, it's, it, it's far more than a guess at this point. And then finally, you look at purchase demand, um, 22 23, 24, 25. So 23, 24, 25, slightly less purchase demand next year. Uh, remember I had the overall line going down 10%. That's because refis are gonna go down lower because of 7% rates. But um, even cash out refis are gonna be squelched even more so than they are now. But purchase volume is gonna remain relatively flat next year, rising pretty significantly in 24 and 25 because everybody knows the same thing that I've been talking about. Um, so I'm gonna end with a couple of thoughts. One is, you know, I'm not gonna quote USA Today. I'm not gonna quote some local paper or a newscaster that's not an economist. I'm just gonna use business financial resources. This is from Bloomberg, Connor Sen. He's a regular economics writer from Bloomberg. Just wrote this mid-September. Home buyers might as well take the plunge. Affordability ain't gonna get any better. As shrinking inventories ensure prices will rise even if rates eventually fall. Um, that's an odd title, but what he was saying is don't wait and bet on lower rates because prices are gonna rise in between now and then. 
So take advantage of it now. You might as well take the plunge. Um, here's four other headlines. None of them are from your you know, USA Today kind of paper. The first is from Wharton Business School. It's from the um, head of the finance department. Why the housing market is not in recession, September published of this year. Why? Because he knows what everything I've just shown you. He knows demographics. He knows housing supply. And he knows the forecast on rates, which is going to be interesting as that comes into us next year. This is The Economist uh, from earlier this year. The Economist, right? So nerdy that most of you guys don't read this because uh, it's, it's made for economists. Millennials demand stokes the housing boom. And in that, he, he talks about all the millennial data and uses the graph similar to what I showed you. This is from Time, but it's John Reed. Time's their, uh, John's their economic writer for Time. He's really good. Um, but waiting on the housing market to crash, don't experts say, here's how today's market crash is different from the Great Recession and the housing bubble. Guess what he talks about in that story? Everything I just talked to you about. It's, it's all in there, um, but it's just in written version. And then Barron's, another financial resource. Millennials will drive home prices up for years to come. What does Barron's know? Barron's knows exactly what Fratton Tony's forecast shows. Home prices are not, we're not on the verge of some big crash here. We're going to slow the economy because we have to, because it's wicked hot. Um, and then we're going to see demand. This is a slide taken from a presentation given Sunday afternoon uh, by the economics team at the MBA. Look at that slide on the left. Look familiar? This is their version of it. Um, but again, this is 2021 estimates. I've shown you 2022, 21, 2019. This is the whole population. They highlighted those orange bars. They highlighted it uh, showing the 30s. Now, um, this is important. Just this last chart I'm showing you. You can say, hey, hey, yes. But look at the chart on the right. The gray line is home ownership rates for people under the age of 35. So frankly, very few people buy homes under the age of 35. But the next line above it is the orange line that says is ages 35 to 44. It leaps. That's why everybody's looking at that age 34 cohort year as the medium uh, peak for first time home buyers because we see this significant shift in home buying demand from uh, Americans when they reach their early 30s, particularly age 34, which is the peak year. Uh, and that's what this data is, again, showing in another way that I showed you several other times in this presentation. But I think showing multiple econo economists is always a good thing because it gets hard to refute. So I'm going to end with this. Um, you guys are the difference, right? You're the difference in your market. The media is not going to help you here. The only way you're going to start changing minds is to go out and do sales calls, put together slides like this, take some of this deck. You're free to use it. Uh, Holly will send it out to everybody. Um, but you are free to use anything you want or do it yourself. Uh, put it in the order you like. But fa the fact of the matter is, if we don't start giving realtors something to be enthusiastic about, messages that they can tell potential home buyers, we're just going to feed the stagnation that, that the media is scaring us into. The market will slow, but it's still going to remain well above the previous decade. Remember that slide I showed you? We're going to slow to $2 trillion, but we're still going to be well above anything that we saw over the last 10 years. Um, from 2019 to 2009, nothing. this is still bigger. And as the industry is right-sizing, that's going to bring margin back to our business. It's going to help us start making money as companies and as loan officers. And we're, we're in the middle of that, but the market has to drop by 30%. And we're in the middle of that happening right now. Uh, rates will drop next year. Um, uh, I have five and a half percent by year end. That was one forecast. But definitely next year, rates will be in the fives. It's just a matter of when. And that's the most unpredictable part about it. But that shouldn't stop you from selling seven because you have the history of seven. Seven's a damn good number. Yes, it makes it harder for people to qualify at seven. But for those that can, grab it. At worst, rates will go down and they, they'll have to refi. Um, at worst, the other way, if they don't, you're locked in. Either way, get on the ride of home ownership because all the data shows it. Demographics and supply, those haven't changed. And you're on the front doorsteps of the biggest wave of home buyer demand that has ever happened in the history of the United States. Not just unique over a couple of decades, that's ever happened in the history of the United States. The last time it was close 
was when baby boomers started buying homes in the early 1980s. But we haven't repeated it since. And this one's bigger. I think this winter is a unique buying opportunity because I think home buyers can go out and get someone to maybe pay for the buy down, maybe bargain for whatever else compared to what happened the last couple of years when it was full price or 10% above full price, non-contingent, close in 30 days. Different world. And this winter will be a good opportunity because if rates do drop and when they drop, uh, we'll have everybody coming back out to buy again. And that, that window will have closed. Yes, risks always exist. And the question is, what do you do to respond to them? You don't have to oversell. You can just show data and say, well, that's, that's interesting. Let me just share you a view of a few economists and others about the housing supply and those article headlines that I showed you, which are fresh. You know, you can use them right now about what experts are saying, not in stupid publications, but in financial publications. And then finally, you know, I'm all about practicing optimism. Um, you know, I've, I've lived in a world, I've lived in a world in my career, I started as a loan originator. And I granted this deck was long and I warned, uh, I warned you guys about this because it's just such a hard argument. You, have, you guys have so much to overcome as loan originators in your market. And, you know, you're not alone. Like everybody in our industry is dealing with this. And it's the only thing that's going to make this market less bad is if we as loan originators get our depression out of our butts, practice optimism, and take information that good, smart, third-party sources are using in their own forecast information, top economists, when they look at the realities of the marketplace. And those guys aren't salespeople. They don't have anybody to pitch to. Um, they're out just telling, based on data, where this market is going. But you are the opportunity. So I'm blending with you today as I close here my hat I wore inside Washington, D.C. as a senior policymaker working, reporting to a president and getting access to great economic data, which I was able to share with you today. But remembering my days as a loan originator, which you never forget, um, and how I knew back in the day in 83 and Stephen 84, when there were no refis, the market felt very depressed. We just went out and made calls. And we showed ideas and came up with inventive ways to sell loans, like a 2-1 buy-down, which to me seems like a no-brainer, especially if you can get the seller to pay for it, uh, to try to help someone get in a home. So there you go. I'm going to ask you an origination question back in the 80s that, that we, you had to learn this. And you say, how did you learn it? When rates are 13, 14, 12%, there's no other option because nobody wants a fixed rate loan at 12, 13, 14%. Everybody, no matter what the rates are, they want a deal. And the two-one buy-down is deals. A two, a one buy-down. I mean, you, you have to get creative. You have to show people, and I'm sure all you folks are doing so. But David, does that make sense to you that that's part of our our sales part is going out and showing people, hey, by the way, financing yeah. can help you sell that real instead of dropping your price by X amount. Use those monies to pay for buy-down costs. Yeah, I mean, look at it. Rate, rate is the single biggest inhibitor you guys have you're facing right now, right? We have down payment is an inhibitor also and being able to qualify these rates. But the rates are just scaring the hell out of people. But people want a home. Everybody wants a home. Nobody wants a mortgage. If you could get a home without a mortgage, you'd do it. Um, nobody wants a mortgage. We are the, we're, we're, we're providing the product that everybody does not want to have because you have to pay it. But you can get creative and make the mortgage less painful because you know they want that home. And if you can overcome their concerns about some big market collapse, which I assure you, and I've shown you today, it just ain't gonna happen. Uh, and that view that home prices always increase, always, it's going back for decades. Um, then it's just a matter of what can I do to, to nudge you in that direction? And I think the easy one for me is a two one or just a one zero buy down because It'll drop your rate down over where they are today, and you're likely going to be able to refi to even something that's flat or lower than that next year, um, and it'll, it'll be a great place to be. You know, there are other tools, by the way. You know, a 1% interest rate increase in rates um, uh, will likely be exceeded by the average increase in wages that we're seeing right now in this country. So it's just... Um, so even if you do a buy down or rates don't drop, you're still going to be from an affordability standpoint in a really good place. I don't need to go through all those arguments that you guys do with each other. 
in your own teams, in your own brokerage shops. But I do think without question, Steve, to, to your point, this is a time to sell. It's time to, to make people feel more confident, not lying to them, giving them real good data from people who aren't just making up doom and gloom. Um, and I think if you do that, you know, you still have to make a lot more calls, but if you get one additional win out of that next 20 set of cold calls you're going to make, calls to agents or whatever, and someone says, whoa, I love that idea. Can, we, can, we, can you help me with a client of mine? Boom, we're in. And that's all, all it really takes. Dave, you did a great job today. Um, we actually got Holly to be nice for 52 minutes. That's a big stretch too. Um, <laughs> seriously, the bullet points you shared, uh, the clients that, that have them or will have them, um, what great information. Like you said, we, we all have to go out and sell. It's not that complicated. We got to go get the business where it came to us for X amount of years. It's really just a paradigm shift. And I'm sure everybody on the call is already doing so. So great job. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Dave. And the, yeah, two one buy downs. I, I told somebody this just yesterday. I think Fairway was first on the on the scene with with the buy downs. And so everyone has jumped on that bandwagon. And we have the one coming out in a couple of weeks for our customers. Um, oh, good. This information. It's a good time to get in. We're lock them in now because uh, the home buying market is going to potentially dry up and then they'll be locked out and they can always refinance when they get down to 5.4% at the beginning of the year. Yes. You don't have to make an excuse for the interest rates. Like you said, that one slide from the Fed is all you have to show because at the end of the day, the consumer, we all know this to be true. They want a deal. Oh, a, a two one buy down is a deal. It's not yes. something when we first started talking about this, probably two, three months ago, people thought we were crazy, but the Dave's and the Steve who originated back in the eighties, you had to have that in your arsenal. Otherwise you would never do a loan. And, and we had to close. You're going to think this is crazy. We had to close 30, 40, 50 loans a month. You say, why? Average loan loss for 40, 50,000. Folks do the math. Back in those yeah. days, like gross revenue, anything, what it was was 50 basis points. So you do the math, you get paid 200 bucks a file. You better do 330 loans a month to justify doing this crazy business. Yeah, back in our day, it was a loan a day. You had to do a loan every single day. <laughs> and, and I, 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 I got paid. I made about 50 bucks a loan back in those days. So well, that, but that's the whole, that's the discipline of having originated. There's a lot of companies that you folks work with, with the people on the C level have not originated. These are times right. origination pass does help you because we don't freak out about originations because we know that people want to deal no matter what the rates are. It doesn't really matter. Like David said, they want to buy a house. People want to get into a home. Your job is to create relationships with people enough relationships and you'll be plenty busy. And I don't know, we could just go on. I, 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 if, when you get the deck, go back and look at that slide that looks at 30 years and, the, um, and then the 210 spread, the 3010 spread and the 210 spread. People aren't buying mortgages because they're worried about prepayments. Treasuries are, are not fully prepayable, mortgages are. So they're demanding higher yields or cheaper prices. That's why you're seeing mortgages so artificially up 300 basis points over the 10 year. If anything else tells you rates are coming down, that's it. The only, the only thing you have in your hip pocket right now is that's why you should go buy right now. Do it yeah. while the buyers are sitting on the sidelines. And it's a great story to tell real estate agents. Like, guys, I, I do these speeches for realtors all the time, large offices, whole companies. You guys could have a heyday taking this stuff and, and taking it to your realtor partners. All right, last comment, and then Al, you close us out. Brittany, can you put in either your email address or if you want to use the marketing email address, we'll get the deck out to everyone that we have the email addresses for, but some of you are on phones and we can't see your email. Um, so if you can put that in the chat, please, whichever address you want them to use, um, and we will get the slide deck out to you. And Al, if you want to take it from here. Yeah, uh, thanks, Dave. Thanks. Steve, for spending a couple minutes with our customers. Uh, three things, three takeaways, one perspective. I think that's, you, you, we hear it over and over, <clears throat> but having a, a perspective on what we just saw, the data supports you know, the case. Second, Dave, you just hit it right at the end, was optimism, spreading optimism. You know, we are salespeople. We do need to go out and build relationships, and you got to have something positive to talk about. You have a slide deck full of information. And the third thing that I that I hear time and time again is do the work. Right? If you have the right perspective, you're spreading optimism, you're doing the work, 
you're going to drive business. A lot of things you heard today, the buy downs, there's some of the DPA stuff. Uh, there's, there's these little niches within the industry that have been overlooked over the last two and a half years because loans were falling in our laps. These are loans that Fairway has been focusing on heavily for the last six to nine months. If you'd like to learn more about buy downs, you'd like to learn more about DPAs, you'd like to learn more about extended locks, any of these ancillary pockets of business, get in touch with your AE. Uh, we've got a lot of training resources. We've got marketing resources that we can put in your hands to take out to the real estate agents. So thanks again, Dave, Steve. Thanks, uh, everybody that joined the call. Um, hopefully, you feel a little more uh, optimistic about the outlook uh, and go spread that. So have a great afternoon, everyone. Thanks.